All right, welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Today we have a very special guest that I'm a big fan of because he created one of the greatest shows on TV, one of the greatest shows, in my opinion, on TV, and one of the greatest films, Entourage. Um, I grew up with a big passion for film. Um, that, that was kind of what drove me to be a fighter. I wanted to be a fighter, uh, make a name as a fighter, and then hopefully after I had a name, that would be an easier in into Hollywood where I could go and be Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal and Van Damme and all the guys I watched when I was coming up and then finish out my life as this action star. So it always was a passion. Um, and then, you know, Doug Allen came along and, and, and created Entourage, which was a great insight to what it was like for, you know, these guys coming in and, and, and making it and 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 it, it's just fantastic big fan of the show he has a new podcast called victory the podcast where he talks about not only the show if you're a fan of entourage he talks about the show behind the scenes the casting i mean they literally go into such detail of what it's like but they also cover everything hollywood um you know things that they've done in the past they talk about their reviews they talk about um the effects of what they do on the show to celebrities by using them or mentioning them. It's, it's a very fascinating podcast called Victory the Podcast. Be sure and check that out. But this is my podcast right now, and I have Doug Allen on the show, so let's get started. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's Need to, How's Thailand going? Good, good man. It's in, uh, it's in lockdown right now, but the gym's open, and... Uh, you know we're 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 doing business, but there's no one allowed to come in. So I mean we're limited on our business. My my gym is 100% foreigner. So when there's no foreign flights available, yeah. it kind of limits us to people that are stuck in Thailand. So hopefully right. better soon. But uh, man, I think it's about to lock down in LA too. So anyway, yeah, I was going to ask you. It's the same thing there, right? I mean it's getting worse by the day. So I I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't see how schools are starting. It's just it's all fucked up so it's actually getting worse yeah the numbers are rising you know whatever it means i i don't know anymore how to you know you turn on the news there's different uh you know there's different news so it's yeah. hard to figure out what's happening but it seems like the numbers are going up everywhere but um i don't know and i can tell people are getting more nervous people who are starting to relax or yeah going back inside again so it's crazy man this has been a horrible situation on all all fronts i think um yeah crazy man well it gives you time and i want to say uh you have your podcast out i've been wa uh, well listening to it on itunes i actually left you a review five-star review amazing podcast and i want to say you. man i'm not just saying this uh because i have you on the podcast obviously i reached out to you to be on here but uh entourage literally is one of my favorite shows of all time um like many kids Thanks. growing up being a, a movie star is like what you dream of you know so like i grew up small town texas yeah. And, you know, I wanted to, to be known and successful for something. I chose the martial arts route, hoping to make a name as a fighter and then transition into film, like some, you know, Chuck Norris, Seagal type situation, and right. then finish out my life doing film stuff, which I'm still overly fascinated with and want to get into maybe not acting, but just any, any facet of it. I'm just so engulfed in the film industry like I really am. And so Entourage was like the first show that really got to show you kind of that lifestyle and what it's like. And the way you did it, man, was fantastic. Right. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, and it's similar. I mean, to me, the thing was it's similar with athletes as well, the way they kind of live their lives. You know, I think it was very relatable to star athletes as well who brought their friends from, you know, humble beginnings with them and stuff. Yeah, I think Ballers, focusing on that, is, is my second favorite show because <laughs> it does the same thing. It's just a little bit more catered to my type of 
uh, career, you know, being it's, it's football, but yeah. um, for fighting. But I mean, the way you interacted with, with real celebrities, the way you filmed it. Uh, and I was going to ask you, why is why is Hollywood in general so secret? Why is it so hard to get behind the scenes footage and like see how these actors and films are really being made aside from the behind the scenes featurettes on the old DVDs and stuff? It seems like it's very, very hard to get that behind the scenes uh, look until you came out with the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think most people who are, you know are in the business don't really want their personal lives exposed. You know, as much as uh, as much as it helps their business, I think it also hurts their their careers. So I think uh, you know, I think people kind of want to do their jobs and let their work speak for themselves. Sometimes, although obviously with new new Instagram culture, that's different for some people. But I think you know, some of the great actors, especially, didn't want didn't want people to even know their real personalities because it right. affected how you looked at them on screen. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, are you do you do you watch fighting? Do you watch uh, MMA? I do. I didn't watch the other night, but I normally do watch it. Yeah, and you know we had we had Chuck Liddell obviously on Entourage, which was cool. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've, wa- I've watched it. You know, at least for the past ten years or so. Um, and I don't know why I didn't watch the fight the other night. I, I barely didn't turn the TV on, any, and right now it's just been depressing yeah. all the time. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that with Chuck Liddell and then Ronda Rousey obviously entering in the movie. Um, what what started that? Like what 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 brought that idea up to bring on uh, a UFC fighter like Chuck Liddell in, in the in the series? Well, I mean, at the time for Chuck at the time, I mean, he was just blowing up and and really you know kind of helped make the sport. And we all just everyone who was working behind the scenes just loved him and thought it was very cool. So we reached out to him and got him and uh, thought he was a perfect uh, person to kind of intimidate Johnny Drama and stuff. So <laughs> and he was great great to have on. With Rhonda, I, I saw her on a Jim Rome interview. I didn't know who she was. Um, I had never seen her fight. And I was like, wow, she's beautiful. Can she really fight? And then I turned on a fight. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. So uh, it's, ama- it's amazing her trajectory because when I saw that, I started writing in the script and I called Warner Brothers. And I guess the movie that we were shooting in 2014, but nobody knew who she was. They were like, what are you talking about? We're not putting her in this. By the time yeah. the movie came out, she was so huge, um, so it was pretty wild to see how fast. But another one also was so great to work with and awesome to have around. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, how in the Hollywood scene, how big is the UFC and UFC fighters? I know there's a lot of stunt guys and, and a lot of stunt coordinators and a lot of uh, fighters sort of making it into some bigger some some bigger pictures. Like you know, Ronda's done Expendables. She's done the Fast franchise. She's yeah. done uh, Mile Twenty Two. Obviously, some other big films. Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell's done the same. What what is the take of this new, uh, you know, explosion of MMA in, in the Hollywood scene? I mean, I think people love it, you know, and obviously they gravitate like any other thing to the stars when there's, you know, when you have the combination of Connor, when you have the personality and the ability, I think those are the ones that really kind of transcend everything, Ronda and Chuck as well. So, but people love it, you know, I mean, it's, it's weird now because boxing's, boxing's made a little bit of a, of a comeback. It seemed five years ago, at least in my area over here, people were almost over boxing and, and MMA was the thing. Now I think it's balanced out a little bit and, and people appreciate both, but it's big. Yeah, definitely. That's cool, man. And then I wanted to, I didn't want to get too much in the details of behind the scenes of Entourage and the making of Entourage in the beginning because I listened to your podcast and I want everybody that's listening to this and watching this to go straight to the Victory Podcast and listen to you guys because it is absolutely amazing. Like you're, the way you, 
the camaraderie between you and Dylan and Connolly and like now with uh, Jerry when he just popped on the last episode, it's like you're one of the guys. And, and it's so it's so good to hear the yeah. behind the scenes stories. I mean, it goes on far beyond Entourage, obviously, the Tom Berenger story from Platoon, uh, upsetting real stars like Vince Vaughn, the fights between like you yeah. and Dylan and Connolly at like uh, Giorgio's and Maestro's and like all this stuff. It's like uh, the yeah. Hollywood culture. And like you guys are doing a fantastic job of putting that together and making it entertaining. So I want to, I want to let everybody go there and hear the nice. real story of Entourage that way. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Please check it out. Victory, the podcast it's called. And, you know, it, it, my goal with it was not really to just focus on Entourage. It was because we are friends and they are the four guys that I cast for the four guys, meaning uh, Adrian, Jerry, Kevin and Kevin were basically guys I grew up with. And that's kind of how I was writing the show, how my friends were. And if I was kind of uh, a Mark Wahlberg type, that what stories would happen in there. So, you know, it, it initially was inspired by Mark and his friends, which I used a lot of elements of that. But, it, you know, obviously, since I was writing it, I had to come up with my own take of it. So we used a lot of my friends. And, you know, we kind of from day one got along like that. So what I wanted the podcast to feel like is just an extension of the show a little bit, but guys hanging out and talking about anything from sports to life and whatever. So, yeah, that it does. It's amazing. And, and for someone like me that like grew up in that, you know, wanting to, to have that lifestyle, it's funny because the show came out in what, 2004, I think. Yeah. Three or four. So that was when I got in the UFC. But, uh, yeah. So like, so having dreamed of like having this, you know, this, this fame successful lifestyle and, and it going more to the UFC style and or side instead of Hollywood, when Entourage came out, it was kind of a part of my career, like because as I was fighting in the UFC, I got in the UFC in 2004 off the Ultimate Fighter. Entourage came out, so I was watching every episode, and I was like right. living, I was living vicariously through Vincent Chase as he was accomplishing. Kind of, I mean, to be completely honest with you, that's what I would have wanted to do with my life. You know what I mean? So it's like I was, I right. was a fighter, I was having success at it, and and I was, I was good at it enough to be where I at the level I was and competing, and it was, it was making me uh, somewhat famous, but like. I was like looking at that show and that was like my fantasy. You know what I mean? That was like, wow, I was living vicariously right. through them and the episodes. It was amazing and uh, inspiring to be honest, yeah, well, because I mean, I mean, it's funny because I mean, a lot of athletes say that and, and it's weird because actors or writers, directors, they all kind of have this uh, image of, of swapping, you know, like you yeah. wanted to do that and I don't want to do MMA. I mean, that is the last yeah. fucking thing on earth I would want to do because I just think you guys are out of your minds as much as I love watching it. I just, it's, but all I wanted to do was, and I was never going to be, so it's, but all I wanted to do was be an athlete when I was growing up. I mean, I would have killed to be a basketball player, hockey player, or whatever, yeah. but, uh, you know, so sometimes uh, you, you want this other lifestyle, but at the end of the day, um, they're just guys, and it's similar to if, if one of your friends has success and, and is willing to help out the other guys, you know? Yeah. No, I've had, I've had I have actor friends that had uh, David Castaneda on here, JJ Story, a few actors and stuff. Gina Rodriguez was at AK Thailand. Um, so a lot of, of, lot of actors, like you said, want to be fighters or they're big, like JJ Story especially. You know, he's from Genified on, on Netflix. And he's, you know, he, right. he's the opposite of me. He's an actor and he's having success. He's getting all these films. He's, he's on a hit show on, on Netflix. But he's like, I want to be a fighter. Like that's, you know, he trains and wants to be a I'm fighter. Real. And I'm like, yeah, you want yeah, to be a fighter I, till you're 35, you know, but like if I, someone asked me recently if I would rather have a world championship belt in fighting or an Oscar. And I said, 
and I mean, I'd have to earn it, obviously, but I would take the Oscar, right? Because yeah. like that's longevity. Right. That I could do that for. I mean, if I have an Oscar, I can act and do something I love and, and I'm passionate about until I'm sixty, till I'm seventy. Fighting yeah. ends, and luckily I found business and, and I'm doing that. But if I didn't have that, and, and a lot of fighters don't, right? What do you do? You know, it's it's tough. Yeah, you all, you also you also don't usually get hurt winning Oscars. Yes. Usually, you know? so <laughs> true. Fake I fighting's mean, I better. Think, uh, I find it fat. I find it fascinating what you guys do, and even I mean, boxing is crazy enough. But um, yeah, you guys are fucking nuts. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I can't believe some of this, some of the stuff I watch. But uh, yeah, you know, I think that you know we're all uh, you know we're all given a skill, and you know your your job is to maximize it. And if you have two, which obviously The Rock and whoever yeah. else you know ha- have had some of that, and um, you know that's the best case scenario, but it's it's a rare combination to have both. Um, but I think we see it with a bunch. But I, I don't know, Tyson. I don't even know if it's a joke. Is, is he fighting again, or is that like a bit? I, I'm I can't curious. Even... I'm, I'm. I never expected Tyson would have a podcast, and it's good. You know, who would have ever expected well, Tyson Mike to have a is, podcast? But he has a really good one. You know, and now he's doing all these training you know, videos Mike at Holyfield. Is, uh, Mike was on the show, and I also did a pilot with Mike with Spike Lee. Yeah. And uh, he's a uh, like got just an amazing personality and he's funny and he's thoughtful. And um, he, I think he's a very different guy than he was 25 years ago, you know. And um, so he has a cartoon also. I don't know if it's still going, but it was yeah. funny. And, he, you know, he's awesome. And, and, and most importantly, he's absolutely like honest, like he doesn't care. He will he will say how he feels yep. what he did in the past what he will do now he has no like filter whatsoever and that's incredible i know that's and those are the best i just wonder if he's really gonna fight i mean i kind I'm, of i'm curious I hope not because i don't want to see anything happen to him and maybe he'll you know maybe he'll still be able to win i was trying to figure out when did foreman like was foreman in his 40s when he came back because it think feels so. like he was old but that's you know, I, 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 I don't want to see it because I think he might, I mean, looking at these latest training videos, I think he might kill someone like, cause he would have to fight somebody old, right? He would have to fight a Vander, somebody in the same age group. And like, I don't know if somebody no. at that age group can take that kind of power punch. Like, have you seen him on the mitts lately? <laughs> like Jesus Christ, man, yeah. he was I, knocking I, people I, out I in their twenties. Imagine a 60 year old, I mean, not 60, but I mean like a 40, 50, you know what I mean? Like they take a hit like that they could die like it could be well it's it's so funny though that mike is like what hasn't fought in 10 years at least 15 maybe i don't even know but uh i'm working on a script right now with thierry henry uh inspired in the in the international football world but uh i just wrote a line but he hits hard harder than mike tyson so it's amazing how his his legacy endures and you kind of still think about him first when you think of heavyweights you know Fighters get a lot of respect, and he he was one of the greatest. And like, I w- I watched his podcast with Eminem, and I sat there and watched Eminem just like fanboy out on him the whole time. Like literally, he was just like, "Look, man, yeah. I'm like such a big fan. Yeah. I can't believe I'm sitting here." And it's like Eminem, you know, like the best at what he does ever, yeah. you know. And it's like that yeah. shows you that I guess when you're good at something and it's knocking people unconscious, that puts you on a different level, you know, like the way he did, especially. Sure. It's a different kind of yep. respect. You Everything know? about it. And again, it's like I said, personality combination with the with the talent. You know, he yeah. had both. And you know, I remember um, I was working in New York City. I was, I think, a freshman in college, and I I had a run back to Long Island to go to uh, class. 
and then run back into the city to watch Tyson um, Spinks yeah. on, you know, close circuit at, I think, the Friars <laughs> Club or something. And, like, I walked in, and everyone was like, he's down, he's down, I, which I thought was a joke. But I, I got there late after, like, a two-and-a-half-hour back and forth to Long Island to see Tyson knock out Spinks in, like, whatever it was, 35 seconds. Yeah, it was crazy. So uh, it, it, was, it was incredible. Yeah, and, and you're right. We're crazy. I mean, you can't argue. I've never been in street fights. I'm not like the Masvidal kind of guy, you know, the, like the total, the hard up guy. But like, obviously, when I dream of, you know, as a kid growing up in Texas to be someone like Vincent Chase, and I find myself fighting highly trained men in cages as a career, something obviously went wrong along the path of life. You know what I mean? So maybe there's a little crazy up there in my head, even though I don't realize, you know, so it's, yeah, you're I mean, right. Listen, you're right. You, you got you got a skill, and you you reached your potential. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't. It's hard for me to even comprehend that life. And I grew up with a lot of, I grew up with a lot of tough kids who were crazy fighters. And I was never really a, like a fighter. I had the friends that would, if anyone came after me, they jump yeah. in and kick the shit out of people. <laughs> but uh, I, it's 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 incomprehensible what you guys are doing with no with no glo- It's nuts. I, I don't know, but. That's you crazy. look good though. So you, your, Thanks, your face has lasted, which is which uh, is key. You know, good teeth still. It's just all good. You know? My goal was to never look like a fighter. I just wanted to be one. So I was I was always trying <laughs> right. like not to get hit, like drain my ears if they puffed out. Like I, you know, <laughs> I knew I never fought to end my my life fighting. I wanted to fight to to do it and then get into something else. And it turned out to be business, and and that was a great right. decision, obviously. Um, but I still want to venture into film in some facet, some way, it's a huge fascination of mine. Um, I want to ask you though, because I was yeah. listening, to, listening to the podcast and I'm not going to give anything away because I want people to watch it or sorry, listen to it. But, um, you started kind of, uh, I'm going to prelude a little bit to where you started because you started with Mark Wahlberg and Steven Levinson coming to you with the idea of which you famously said you didn't like what, what put you in the position where they came to you with that idea? I wanted to ask you, um, obviously that, that was a, a big position when Mark Wahlberg and Steven Levinson's coming to you with an idea. And then also what was yeah. it that you didn't like? Well, at the time, Mark and Steve hadn't done TV yet. So Mark was a big movie star and Steve was his manager, but, uh, I had, I had worked with Steve for years before he's a friend of mine from college. Oh, cool. Um, and he was my manager as well. So, he produced a movie that I directed, and um, we worked on a couple other things together. But I wrote a, a Curb Your Enthusiasm spec script, which means I sat down and just wrote a script based on Curb, not to sell it to anybody, just to show people I'm funny. Even though, by the way, I was already 10 years into the business, had made two movies, had written five studio scripts. But still, you have to just keep showing. So I had given it to Steve. And Steve said, Mark and I were thinking about this idea. And they didn't, there was not really an idea. It was just like Mark has a group of friends that were really funny and entertaining, and Mark would film them. So it was like, how do we turn this into a scripted show? Which, you know, an idea is one thing, and execution, as you know, is Absolutely. everything. Because there's, you know, the ideas are, you know, a million people could do the same thing, and they would all look differently. So that's where we started. And um, they were both pretty great from the start. You know, it was kind of a... Uh, it just kind of worked. It was a match made in heaven and they were happy with what I was doing and, and they gave me freedom and gave me great ideas. And Mark was a, a amazing producer and helping us get things going, selling it and, and getting the, the you know cast we needed and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's awesome. And, and man, what a hard worker he is, too. It's like he's in so many movies and then he's like producing so many other things like ballers and obviously the entourage. And yeah. then he, he, he seems to be like never sleeping. <laughs> like he seems to be. Yeah, and he has, and he has a car dealership, too. 
And Wahlburgers. I mean, it's crazy. What? And, and, and Wahlburgers and a car dealership. It's like all that stuff. It's like he must be so busy. He's, he's unreal. Very driven guy. And, uh, you know, I see his 4 a.m. workouts, and I feel it makes me feel like shit all the time when I see it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, him and The Rock, man. It's like that. They're my they're my inspiration as I'm getting older, and I'm and I'm an athlete, and I'm still like, you know, having to to, to try to push myself to like stay in great shape, and and because I, I do believe that the better right. shape you are, it's everything. How hard you push in for your body is the same as how hard you push in work, and you know, I can be I can go have for a good sure. workout and make myself confident for the rest of my day and my business decisions because I achieve my goal first in the morning by getting my workout. So I I, I do see the the pattern there, you know, there is, there is, there is something yeah. to it. And, and even more uh, base now, it's just this, this COVID shit is yeah. really, you know, affecting people who are less healthy worse. Yeah. So it is, it is, I mean, I've tried really hard and I'm not you or Wahlberg or even close, but I've tried really hard during the whole lock-in to, to get as healthy as I can. I'm 52 years old now. And every year you get older, this, this, disease which you know can get you worse so i'm trying my best to get as healthy as i can get right now and um you know it used to be kind of people think it was just for looks but the truth is it really is like about everything that you do and yeah. so I'm, I'm doing my best so it's mental and confidence you know if you, if, if you set a goal out yeah. to work out and you achieve that goal it builds your confidence you know and I think all that stuff adds up. Um, being a fighter and stuff and, and having my career there was obviously that point in my career where i realized that I kind of made it as far as in, in that realm. Like I had a goal when I wanted to be a fighter, what I wanted to accomplish. And then there was that point in my career where I was like, okay, I did it. Or I, you know, I, I, I'm, I've arrived to what uh, I dreamed of or surpassed it, whatever the case. What about you? Like, cause when you had Entourage, I know it was probably a lot harder than people think getting it going, especially with HBO and everything, getting it going, getting it on TV, cast it, everything else. Yeah. Do you remember that point where you were just like, from being a writer to having to being a creator and basically doing all the stuff you did to build the show and it becoming such a big hit that you were like, wow, man, I've, I've made it or I've, or I've arrived. I mean, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, the New York times was like, you know, you wanted that review. Yeah. When the course. review came out for the show, um, which said it was the best show on TV in 2003 or 2004, that, it made me feel good for about five minutes, but I've always been a very kind of negative, what's what's next and not looking yeah. back kind of person. So um, I appreciated it for a minute, but honestly, I, I don't know. Not, like always, People always ask me this, like nothing really changed for me, but sh except for I, I had more money, which was nice. But um, I, you know, I never sit around and was like, oh, we got this great hit or we do this. Because every time I would sit down to write a script, it was the same anxiety, which I don't know if you have, you know, when you get in the ring. Absolutely. It was the same anxiety. I'm <laughs> like, okay, this has got to, I got to make this great. And I don't mean because anybody else thinks it, because even the movies I did where, you know, people criticize or whatever, you do the best you can. And if you really put your hard work in, it's like, like a fight. We yeah. know these fighters come in. Sometimes they get knocked out in 30 seconds and people are like, oh, they suck. Right. No, they don't suck. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they're, they're tops in the world. There's just one guy who's just better. Yeah. But um, so I, I never really I never really have sat back and thought about, oh, wow, I made it or I did this. Um, I kind of always just try to do the best I can. And that's it, you know. Yeah, and you, well, you've done a fantastic job with that. What what advice would you give to somebody coming into Hollywood trying to be Vincent Chase now that you've kind of wrote, you've wrote the life, you know, the best of anyone of, of of what it's like? What's your advice to somebody coming to Hollywood to try to make it in the movies um, that, that that can pertain well, to pretty well, much I never anyone? Think, 
I never think anybody should come into this any business like to be a movie star or right. to be a this. I think it's it's got to be. And, you know, like you said, you wanted to do other things. There are a lot of other things I would have preferred to do. I didn't have the skill set to do them. So I think you go into this business if you really love it. And mm -hmm. and if there's really no other options, because it is uh, it is a really it's a tough business, you know, and um, obviously you have a, a similar thing there. The amount of money that most people make in writing or directing is really it's below the poverty line. So you have to be in this because you love it, not for money, not for fame. And if you're lucky enough that things like that come along, great. But I think you really have to love the process for it to, to be something that you can do, you know? And when you say love the process, what, what do you mean by that? Like, 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 what do you love? So obviously you can write for days and days and days and not get anything out of that. What is it that has to happen for you to, 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 to feel successful at what you wrote or, or to feel that love that you're talking about? Well, like I said, I mean, I started as a stand-up comedian and I was the guy who like, you know, there was one guy not laughing out of however many that was the guy I focused on. So I don't really have that. The things that I love writing has never been something I love directing, being on the set, uh, the camaraderie, similar to a sports thing. Um, writing was always the way to get to what I did love, which was being on the set and making things happen because, uh, it's not painting. You know, it's not something you can do on your own. You need a lot of people and a lot of collaboration and you need a lot of luck. So uh, um, to me, though, there's nothing like when you when you get a scene done that you like and then you right. get on with the proper actors and you see them elevate it to something even better. That's you know, that's what I love. And then when The New York Times writes about it in a positive way, that's just that's even better. Yeah. And by the way, that's not to. Another thing you have to do is not really take that for what it was worth. It was great to me because I was like, my parents are going to wake up and read this. It's awesome. And the New York Times wrote about a movie I wrote that it was not releasable. They said, how did this fucking movie get in a, in a movie theater? So a movie I did earlier. So you can't take the negative or the positive too seriously. But I really was. I was a lot of my life was motivated by my parents not freaking telling me I was doing nothing because they kind of when I when I graduated college and said I'm going to LA to be a stand-up comedian and make movies my parents thought I was out of my mind and you got to remember <laughs> this is 1990 yeah. there's no Instagram there's no social media right. and I had nothing to do with the film business not a single person I knew growing up not my parents so they didn't even understand what I was talking about you know and they just spent a lot of money on college education that they thought was going to go in the trash. So um, it is about finding the path and really sticking to it. And, you know, what, when you said, what about Hollywood? And again, people can do it in different ways. I came here and my head was down. I got married very young and I was focused on work back then. I was just like figuring out how I could make things happen in a, in a very difficult business. I wasn't here for any of the other stuff, you know. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's usually, I mean, passion has to drive everything, you know, and, and when I came to Thailand to build a gym, same thing, you know, I, people didn't realize what I was trying to do, but I was passionate about it. And that, that's what carried me on. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. The great Mike Swick. He's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world.
you can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu, they have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. One thing from your podcast that, 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 I, that I caught on to, and I, I need to get your advice on, I think, before I get into trouble. So you were talking about how y'all had mentioned Vince Vaughn and he had got upset and certain other actors. Then you said that you had mentioned, I think it was Steven Levinson's assistant or somebody that worked with him, and you had to get permission to use the name. How does that work? Because yeah. you mentioned something about being a public figure and it's okay. And so I'm assuming now that yeah. like, if I was to mention somebody that wasn't a public figure and say something, that could probably be deemed, I assume, a slander or a defamation. So, so is it? How do you yeah. determine who's a public again, figure? And can again, I just talk about yeah. any public figure? Yeah. Now, again, different things. Like public figures are open to different things. You can't say a public figure did something they didn't. They do. didn't do right. That's different than saying a pu a public figure is fat or ugly or whatever. Right. You know right. What right. I mean? So, or that you don't like um, them or whatever. As far as yeah, but as far as having a private figure, if you have a character playing somebody, you can't do that unless you get their permission. So if it's a friend of yours from high school, you need them to sign off something. Gotcha. Um, the public figure, there's more leeway, but still you can't slander them and say, oh, he murdered someone in, in <laughs> yeah. Hawaii in 1985. You know what I Comedians mean? But, can. Uh, Comedians so get away with that. What? Comedians get away with that. Comedians <laughs> say everything they want that's not true, and it's perfectly fine. Comedians can, uh, yeah, you're, you were a comedian, so tell me this. A comedian can say the exact same thing I could say on this podcast because I'm not a comedian, and I would get completely demolished for saying something like Anthony Jeselnik would say, right? Like, it seems like it, it, You know what? I mean, it, I guess, listen, it depends. I mean, how things are phrased, and obviously we're in a culture right now that yes. anything you say can be, you know, but there... I, I don't know. Part of it is, uh, you know, Chappelle. Yeah. He has a way of, of phrasing things that they are. They're very intelligent and funny at the same time. So he's got more leeway than somebody else might. But at the end of the day, I still don't think I don't think Chappelle's saying anything that's racist or, you know, or slanderous. I don't think I'd have to listen to everything he yeah. says. But I mean, um, <laughs> But, you know, you, you can get away with things when you're making jokes, but also you can't. Comedians are getting killed. I mean, for things they said 25 years that's, ago. Yeah, you know, that's true. coming after them right now. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a very weird time right now. And, and, again, for me, someone's personal views are very different than what a character says. That has nothing to do with anything. You right. know, Martin Scorsese writes you know, Italian characters in the 70s saying certain things. That's fine. That doesn't mean Martin Scorsese agrees with them yeah. or that all Italian people saying that agrees with them, but it just becomes a weird dynamic. And, you know, but you do have to be careful right now. It's just a, a really crazy time, you know? And it also is a, it's it's an important time. I think like right now we're going to look back at in this on history and it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Hopefully we end up in a better place, but still a place where, Artists, comedians are free to experiment and be funny. 
um, and everybody stops being so offended by everything, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I wanted to ask you something about that as well from, from Entourage then and now. But before that, going on what you were saying, you know, Joe Rogan, obviously the king of podcasts, signed a deal with Spotify for an enormous amount of money. And now there's like this whole like this whole coalition of people trying to get him to lose that that deal because of something that happened yeah. like 10 years ago that he didn't even say right. that Joey Diaz said. Yeah. And it was probably just, it's just laughable comedy talk or whatever else, but it, but it was kind of yeah. on that, that, that borderline me too thing. And, uh, and then Joe Rogan laughed about it and, and people are like wanting him to lose the entire deal because he laughed at just yeah. some, some random thing that they were just joking about 10 years ago. So I can see what you're yeah. saying. It's like, it's crazy. Like how, how you gotta be careful. And then yeah. I wanted to ask you, Oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's just, it's fortunately for Joe, it's a different time for him because he's got his own followers. He doesn't need anybody. It right. still sucks that people come at him like this. But Howard Stern dealt with that for 20 years when he actually, you know, could be taken off the radio, Indeed could be was, fined yeah. by the government, could be all of this. So, um, you know, I think obviously Joe will be fine. We know that. But uh, it's it's nuts. I mean, it just it just is, you know, and, you know, you saw it with with. You know, the Billy Bush situation, Billy Bush laughed at something President Trump said. Trump went on to become the fucking president yeah. and they basically banned Billy Bush. Hopefully he's back now, but five years for kind of anything. You could say anything. He was just trying to kiss his ass. He was just trying to whatever. He didn't really comment on anything. So I think it's a uh, it's, it's a scary time. So but you do have to be thoughtful about what you say and you got to be a little careful about it. But there is a group out there that's just desperate to find the next person they can go after and attack, you know? Yeah, and you be, I was gonna ask you, cause you being a writer and now dealing with all this, um, obviously you wrote a lot more loose with, with Entourage, the series. Um, you look at, when I look back at some of the things the guys said back then and the, the talk, which was 100% accurate and 100% real and still the same, I think today, no different, uh, most of, of yeah. what I remember. Um, are you scared as a writer to like, to, 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 to just be free with your writing and, and have to double check even more now, just in case someone, not that you're going to say something wrong, but th that they might take it that you're saying something wrong. And then it might set you back. Is that a big issue for you right now being a writer? I mean, you know, it's not so much. I mean, look, I've, I've, I'm 52 now. I was in my twenties when I was writing, starting writing that, um, I wouldn't write I just wouldn't write stuff like that, not because of society or anything. It's just different from me. Um, but of course, you think about what you say and what you do and, and, and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, Entourage, again, was a very critically acclaimed show at the time. Like, right. it wasn't just like the stupid naked women running around. It was <laughs> universally acclaimed and, and reviewed. There has been some revisionist history that it's, oh, it's disgusting and it's misogynistic and this and that, which, you know, is upsetting because it wasn't. And I believe me, took a lot of care to make sure that these guys, while they said guy talk, they were never aggressive or, or right, acting in a way that would be inappropriate. So, I mean, that was my uh, PC mind at the time, but I wouldn't write stuff like that. And, and I haven't looked back at the show in years until we started doing this podcast and there's stuff that I look at that I go, gee, whoa, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. it just wouldn't fly today. And it's not that I go, Oh, that's so sad because times change and they, yeah. and they've changed more in the last seven years. I mean, there's classic movies I watch now airplane. 
which I go, oh, I've seen the movie 5,000 times. I've never thought anything of anything in it. Now you go, whoa, it's a little bit like this. Or, yeah. um, you know, Eddie Murphy's old concerts that I knew line for line for line in 1983. Yeah. You now look back at, but that's, to me, the point. You don't really look back and go and judge them as in today's standards. You judge them for the time and what was going on and, and what did people at the time think about it so um you know 60 whatever when late bruce was coming comedians couldn't even curse so they helped push the boundaries and really help inform and shift society to some degree and we're just gonna have to see where it shakes out right now i think there is a reasonable balance between comedy and offending people you know so we'll find out how it goes yeah, I think there was a part on your podcast where um, Kevin uh, Dillon didn't want to repeat a line from Platoon, and and even though yeah. it was Platoon was an epic classic film, you know what I mean. But it's just super sensitive right now. But Kevin seems like a super yeah. cool guy, both of them, Connolly and Dillon. But I would love to talk to to to, to Kevin Dillon one day. That'd be great to have him on the show eventually. Um, yeah, he'd love it. I'm sure he would love it. Yeah, is there anybody? Because I know in the in the film there was something like fifty cameos or so in the film. Uh, from celebrities, other stars and stuff. Is there anyone that you can name that turned it down? Is, is there any celebrities that, that said no to a part or to a cameo for Entourage or was everybody just game? I mean, no, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I Off the top of my head, I know we reached out to Michael Jordan. You know, <laughs> We reached out to Tiger Woods at one point, Jimmy Page. But yeah, we had some those, Russell Crowe. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I got them on the phone and they were like, no, I'll never do your show. It's just, you know, we, we called agents or whatever it was and, and didn't get a response back. So yeah. but we got we had a lot of great ones and a lot of people. It really started, you know, by the time of the movie, people were calling us, you know, I mean, like like Gronkowski, for instance, you know, his his manager awesome. you know, was friends with Mark. And he said, Rob wants to be in the movie. You know, he's bringing Julian to the set today. We're like, great. You know, so we put him in. So it was kind of like that. And honestly, the whole. The whole show, and you know, Rob, who told me Gronkowski, who told me when he was on the in the movie, he said, "I told my friends in high school that I was going to be on Entourage, and they thought I was fucking crazy." Which that story is both amazing because Gronkowski <laughs> and also crazy because I'm like, oh my god, I've gotten old. So yeah, I was, Rob say. was watching this in high school, <laughs> and now is a Hall of Fame yeah. football player with Super Bowl titles and everything, but. You know, that was kind of a, a lot of the things I got from a lot of the great athletes, which made me feel good. LeBron James, you know, when I met him, told me this is my E and this is my turtle and this is my drama. So I think athletes especially, which entourages, I think, kind of began with with athletes, you know, and boxers especially. And, um, you know, it's it, it is that camaraderie of people from working class places that bring a crew with them and sometimes like in lebron's case their crew actually is is beneficial you know so that was the whole kind of impetus for the whole show yeah absolutely and then is is entourage done i mean is there is there any any parts or future things happening with entourage and or is it just is it for sure done is, are we ever going to see any kind of i don't know spinoff or, I mean, or something I mean, I, I'm, I want to do an animated show with Dylan and Connolly, possibly, um, but I don't. I, I can't see doing any more Entourage. I mean, um, 
you know, we're we're all uh, a little past that, you know. I just but love the we'll, concept, and I hate to know. see I hate to see the concept die. Even if it's an all new cast, I just hate to see that concept die because it is such a great look into something you never get to see, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I I always thought about an animated entourage uh, with the original guys would be great, but I I don't know, I don't know. It was I to be honest, I didn't even want to do the movie. I mean, I was kind of like. <laughs> done with it and i'm glad i did it even though it was not well received which whatever um but uh you know it was a great time making it but i didn't want to do it anymore i thought we ended the show great and it was time to you know say goodbye and actually i said at the time i said the only thing i'd really want to do is an animated version where you could you know vince wants to go to mars one day or some bullshit you know yeah. what i mean like things that you you couldn't do on a on a live action thing it's crazy talking to successful guys like I don't know what's with you Hollywood guys, but you saying that you didn't want to do the movie. Like I talked to JJ, another friend of mine that's doing genified and he's like, you know, it's okay, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather be a fighter than it's crazy that like, I mean, you are passionate about doing what you're doing, but it's like, it's also kind of like, eh, if it happens, it happens. If, if not, it's, if not, you know, it's, it's such a different kind of, I guess, chase than it is well, with, as being a fighter. Well, again, it's not to say, because obviously, if you're going to be a professional athlete, you have to have the physical talent to start with. So that that's you're out of the gate if you don't. Then you have to have the work ethic also. But the difference is if you're a great basketball player, there's nothing to talk about. If you get on the – or, you know, especially fighting, actually. If you can get in a fight and you win, there's nothing to talk about. Nobody has to say, oh, uh, I was bored by the first 20 minutes. I was this yeah. or that. So with a, with a getting a movie or a television show made – the amount of hoops that you have to jump through, the amount of person's feelings and comments that you have to deal with. And that's why I say Entourage was was extra satisfying when it came out because I don't even think HBO thought it was good, you know. And, um, you know, my agents, they have a thing called coverage where they have a, a person read the script and then write up what they think about it. And I have it somewhere, but the coverage on Entourage, which was before we ever even got picked up, it was so bad and so insulting to me as a human, wow. as a 28-year-old going like, you know, if you're in a fight, you go, well, let's get in the ring and we'll we'll decide who the better fighter is. This, yeah. you're, you're waiting for someone to tell you whether they think it's good or not. Yeah. You know, and one of the great things I think that's going on in the world now is because, you know, my whole career started with a short film. But that short film was enormously difficult to put together in 1990. You know, it cost me 12 grand, which is like, 50 now took eight months now i could do the same thing with an iphone and a few hundred dollars you know so the world has changed and that's a good thing for that but still you know I, like i said i'm working on this show with thierry on ray now uh we'll send the script out it's the amount of people whose commentary i have to listen to and who have to decide you know which even by the way when i've already done it for 15, 20 years when I've been nominated for X, Y, and Z, they'll still go read it and go, I don't like it, you know? And yeah. it's not a personal thing. It's like, okay, you don't like it. Who cares? But it is when they're the people who can determine whether it gets made or not. It's an incredibly frustrating process. And why I say there's so much luck involved, I don't think anyone at HBO besides Chris Albrecht really believed in the show. Mm. And if he wasn't there... It just would have died and that would have been the end of it. And then wow. after it came out for a decade, you know, Entourage was the show that was getting pitched around town. It's this and Entourage, including Bowlers, by the way. It's 
it's this in sports, it's entourage in this, it's entourage here. Right. So it's a pretty wild process. And some of the best shows in history had similar paths. Seinfeld was almost canceled and the critics didn't like it when it came out. So uh, The Office, I think The Office was critically well received, but it really didn't have great ratings. And then now on Netflix, it's bigger than it ever was before. Right. So um, that's, I guess, the difference. If you can get out and hit 50% of your threes, and play some defense, you know, you're yeah. going to you're going to play basketball. You're not, you know, you're not going to have to listen to all the other nonsense. So that's why it's it's a, a business that requires persistence and thick skin and not taking things personally. And, um, you know, I can see with all the success you've had and then how hard it was probably the ups and downs of putting, you know, 96 episodes of, of Entourage together and then doing the film and the stuff. But is there something you look forward to kind of uh, maybe not next, but an end game. Like, like, where, where, what would you like to do, kind of, to enjoy your life, either either outside of work or with work in the future from here on? Considering you've already kind of done I all mean, that. I mean, I got to tell you, like, I started as I said as a comedian and wanted to be like Seinfeld, right? And I didn't continue on that path because I didn't like the. I'm not saying I would have been Seinfeld anyway, but I didn't like the lifestyle of being in. Uh, comedy clubs at three o'clock in the morning and this and that. It just wasn't, wasn't for me, but the podcast, I mean, was something I wanted to do since I was a kid, talk show, radio yeah, show. And it's cool. people have been asking me for five years to do a podcast. And I didn't really even understand what it was. And I, I, I guess I missed the boat to some degree that this was an avenue for people to kind of express them. I enjoy this like yeah. very much. Uh, it doesn't feel like work, which is what work is, you know, great work is supposed to feel like you're enjoying it. So hopefully, uh, hopefully this can last. And um, as far as movies and TV shows, I, I'm working on a few things, but I don't the, the anxiety of getting back into running a show again, which is it for me anyway, was a 24 hour, 24 seven job. Um I don't wake up dreaming about that. I do the best I can with what I've got. And then, uh, you know, if something goes, I will put it all into it. But I don't dream about that. I would much prefer to be, you know, to be doing what Joe Rogan does yeah. than, you know, than to be sitting in a room by myself writing all the time. So that, that, that's my thoughts. I'm with you, man. And, and I, I love business. It's challenging for me. I'm still grinding and getting that done. But I love this, man. I love talking to you and being able to reach out and have great guests, interesting guests to talk to about things that I'm passionate about. Um, sitting here at, you know, 12, 12 a.m. in Thailand, but I, I, I couldn't be doing something better than, than having this conversation right now. You know, this is awesome. Um, right. it, it, it's great. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's you got to be passionate about what you do. And uh, But I got to ask you, have you been to Thailand before? I mean, obviously, I'm in Thailand right now, so I have to ask if you've been there, if you've ever traveled there, or is it on your agenda no. to go to Thailand or no? Hundred percent, hundred percent. My my family was there last year, I think. Um, you know, I'm dying dying to go. I mean, so you didn't uh, want to go? You know, okay, it's, cool. It's weird. It's weird with all the travel because I finally at fifty, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to travel. Like I've been wanting to get to Australia my entire life, and have not made it there, which is nuts. Um, so yeah, I would love to see Thailand, Australia, um, and hopefully we get back to normal soon, and I can do that. Cool, man. Well, I know we follow each other on Instagram and stuff, and if you do 
get a date to come to Thailand and Phuket, I'll show you around, man. I'll, I'll show you all the cool places. And I've been here for awesome. 10, 10 years, you. man. I'll, I'll give you a great vacation. You'll have a great time. So I, I definitely great. want to say thank Would you. And, and, and I also want to get back. I, was, I, I lost my train of thought on the, uh, the podcasting, but I do want to say uh, you having the passion for me, uh, being a podcast host or having a podcast, you do really, really well, man. I really love your podcast and, and that's sincere. And then also, you know, you're really well, uh, you think really well. I, I watch some podcasts sometimes and it's like the guys go on a conversation and they, they bring up a point and then they start getting sidetracked on another point and then they never get back to the original thing. And you have a great job of always getting back to that original thing and never leaving anyone hanging. And I appreciate that because yeah. that's what started the conversation in the first place. And so many people just get wrapped up in talking and I'm trying to pass time and say something funny and they never get back to what the, the story was in the beginning because they keep getting sidetracked. So I love your show. I love listening to y'all. And, and it sounds like you could have been one of the guys on the show the whole time. I mean, I, you know, Eric and Ari were kind of combinations of, of my own personality in certain ways. But I appreciate that because, you know, Connolly and Dylan are both so fucking ADD that I do. <laughs> I say it to them. I'm like, we got to we got to not interrupt each other. They'll say the same thing about me, by the way. But I do try to try to get it back to. And they're um, like I said, they're my brothers and, and Jerry as well. It's like, um, you know. That's how I grew up with guys like that. So we have the stories and we see each other like when you see your best friends from high school. It's just no time passes and it's just a good time. So hopefully people will check it out. Victory, the podcast. And uh, yeah, please we will, tune in. We, we will promote that this and uh, we will put all your, your stuff on the bottom, the link to your, your podcast and everything. And I, and I greatly appreciate awesome. you taking out the time, man. I know you're a busy man. And, and thank yep. you so much for taking out the Thank time for coming you. and being on my show. I really appreciate it. This is something I love to do, and and, and it's been a great conversation, man. Awesome. Stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Doug. All right. Well, there you have it. Doug Ellen. Wow. Great conversation with somebody who I never thought I would talk to. Um, I saw his name as a creator of Entourage well more than 96 times. I've watched episodes more than once. Um, and then the film as well. And uh, I never thought I'd sit and have an hour long conversation with him. And that was really cool. Um, it was very inspiring. To me, I take inspiration from many different things. And watching his show, um, you know, about someone coming up in Hollywood and making it. Anytime there's a show about somebody becoming successful and achieving their goals, that's super inspirational to me. And it happened to play out exactly during my UFC career. 2004 to 2011 was in the middle of my UFC career, the start to the middle of my UFC career. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was a great um, a great show that I looked forward to watching, and it has been a great conversation to talk to. And I hope you guys took a lot from it and enjoyed it as well. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment. Let us know what you thought. Um, let us know who you'd like to see next. Um, just to give you a heads up, we have Anthony Pettis coming up next if everything stays as planned. So he will be the next guest on the show. Um, if you're listening on the sound, I mean on the uh, sound platforms, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, Spotify, iTunes. You can subscribe there as well. You can leave a review on iTunes and, and other platforms as well. I greatly appreciate it. I love the feedback. Um, I, I appreciate all the support from you guys. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.